Chapter 13 of The Magic Mimics in Oz by Jack Snow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 13 The Three Swans. Dorothy was awakened by the sunlight streaming through the windows of her bedroom. Refreshed and eager for the adventures that lay ahead, she bathed and dressed and, with Felina in her arms, knocked on the door of the wizard's room. The man was already awake and in excellent spirits as he greeted Dorothy. A moment later, Dolly and Poppet came to lead them to the living room, where Ozana was awaiting them for breakfast. The fairy princess, radiant with loveliness, was dressed in a simple blue dress with a circlet of roses set in her golden hair. Dorothy thought this an excellent crown for the princess of Story Blossom Garden. When the meal was finished, Ozana said, It will please you to learn that my studies, which I completed late last night, revealed that the Mimic King and Queen have accomplished no real harm in the Emerald City. However, Queen Ra has succeeded in doing something that has surprised me. She has thrown up a magic screen about her activities, which has made it impossible for me to discover whether she has found the spell that would release the mimics from Queen Lurleen's enchantment. It is logical to believe Ra has failed, since if she had discovered the spell, she would surely have used it to permit the mimic hordes to overrun Oz. But you cannot be sure. Is that it, madam? asked the wizard. Yes, I am afraid so, Ozana admitted, frowning slightly. This magic screen that Queen Ra has devised baffles me and resists all my efforts to penetrate it. For this reason, I think it would be wise for us to go as quickly as possible to the Emerald City. As you know, Ozma and Glinda will return from the forest of Burzee this morning at ten o'clock. I would like to be present to greet them and to explain what has happened. There is no use causing them undue alarm. After all, I am responsible for the mimics in regard to the land of Oz, Ozana concluded thoughtfully. Well, said Dorothy, I'm ready to go. How about you, wizard? The little man's expression was grave as he answered, The quicker we get back to Oz, the better. I have an uneasy feeling that we are not finished with the mimics by any means. Then it is settled, announced Ozana. Come, my friends, let us make all possible haste. We have no time to lose. May I take Felina to Oz with us? asked Dorothy. Ozana smiled. Certainly, my dear, only let us hurry. Dorothy and the wizard followed Ozana to the cottage door and down the path that led to the edge of the pond. The garden was fresh and lovely in the early morning. The side of the cottage that faced the morning sun was covered with blue morning glories. Dorothy regretted that there was no time for her to pick one of the delicate blossoms and listen to its story. Standing at the edge of the pond, Ozana uttered a soft, musical whistle. From under the low-hanging branches of a large bush that trailed into the water on the far shore of the pond, emerged the three graceful swans which Dorothy and the wizard had admired the day before. The snow-white birds moved swiftly across the water in answer to Ozana's summons. These are my swans which will carry us over the deadly desert to the Emerald City, said Ozana. 
They don't look big enough to carry even you or me, let alone the wizard, said Dorothy doubtfully. Ozana laughed. Of course they are not large enough now, Dorothy, but soon they will be. The three swans were now at the pond's edge, just at Ozana's feet. The fairy princess bent, touching the head of each of the birds gently with a slender wand which she drew from the folds of her blue dress. While Dorothy and the wizard watched, the birds grew steadily before their wondering eyes. In a few seconds they were nearly five times the size of ordinary swans. The fairy princess placed a dainty foot on the back of one of the swans, and then settled herself on the bird's downy back, motioning to Dorothy and the wizard to do likewise. Dorothy stepped gingerly to the back of the swan nearest her. She found the great bird supported her easily. Holding Felina in her lap, the little girl nestled comfortably among the feathers. The wizard had already mounted the third swan. Seeing that the passengers were all aboard, Ozana signaled the swans, and with mighty strokes of their great wings, the birds soared into the air. Dorothy looked behind her and saw Ozana's cottage growing smaller as the birds climbed higher and higher into the heavens. In a short time they had left Mount Illuso so far in the distance that it was no longer visible. The soft feathers of the bird that carried her and the gentle motion with which it sped through the air made Dorothy think of riding through the air on a downy feather bed. "'Isn't it grand, wizard?' Dorothy called. "'It certainly beats any traveling I ever did,' admitted the wizard. "'It's even better than my balloon back in Omaha.' Ozana's bird flew in advance, with the swans bearing Dorothy and the wizard slightly to her rear on either side of her. They crossed the border of the land of the Fanfasms and soared high over the deadly desert. The swans flew even higher over the desert than had the mimic birds. For this reason, none of the travelers suffered from the poisonous fumes that rose from the shifting sands of the desert. As they approached the yellow land of the Winkies, Dorothy noticed that Ozana cast several anxious glances at the sun, which was rising higher and higher in the heavens. It seemed to the little girl that the fairy princess was disturbed and anxious. "'Is anything wrong, Ozana?' asked Dorothy. "'I cannot say for sure,' replied Ozana. "'Something has taken place in Oz of which I was not aware. I can feel the change now that we are actually over the land of Oz. I am trying to discover what has happened by means of my fairy powers. I am afraid, too, that the journey is taking longer than I expected.' and we shall not be able to arrive before Ozma and Glinda. At a signal from their mistress, the three swans quickened their already swift flight. Again and again Ozana consulted the sun, and her appearance became more grave and worried as they approached the Emerald City. Suddenly the fairy princess's expression changed. A look of anger and dismay clouded her face, and the next instant she cried out beseechingly, Forgive me, my friends. I now understand all that has happened. The mimics have cunningly outwitted me. End of chapter 13